Here's the thing. We all know how frustrating it is to be in a highly competitive market and try to find the right incentive that will catch the prospect or possible renewal's attention. But luckily for us, there's a company that can help us do exactly that, and it's AIM Cruise Incentives. AIM Cruise Incentives is a turnkey marketing program that's actually different. AIM Cruise certificates include a five-day, four-night luxury cruise vacation for two to the Bahamas, the Caribbean, and Mexico. There are over 175 dates and multiple ports to choose from, so booking is super easy for the prospect or resident. After you purchase your cruise certificates, you and your team have up to 12 months to issue them out to the receiver, which means that you can incorporate into other giveaways or events, while giving your prospects and residents up to 36 months to redeem them. They're also fully transferable, and AIM Cruise Incentives will provide you with all of the marketing materials needed to make your campaign a success. All of this value is starting at $139 per cruise certificate, depending on the quantity ordered, which let's be honest, is way less than we all spend for incentives, but the value is way bigger to the prospect. So if you want to increase leases and retention, AIM Cruise Incentives will help you get an edge over your comps and help you lease up faster. Visit aimcruise.com. It's aimcruise.com for additional information on their products and make this lease up here different. Welcome to Student Housing Insight Podcast, where we are putting you in touch with the people who bring student housing to life. I'm your host, Wesley Dees, and I'm joined by my co-host, Greta Dare. Greta, how are you? Hello. I am doing very well. How are you, sir? I am doing fantastic. I am really excited for our audience to hear not just this episode, but all of the marketing and leasing episodes that you've got planned out for this summer, because I think they're fantastic. They are uh, <laughs> they are perfectly titled. And, um, I'm really excited because this first one you did went so long that we had to divide it into three different. Shut episodes. up! <laughs> for those, for those it went that, so long. <laughs> for those that don't keep track, I'm typically the one that gets long winded because I tend to say, um, and have all these awkward thoughts and pauses and <laughs> you're saying it, not me. Exactly. And so, <laughs> and so it ends up being very long and she gives me complete hell over it and thinking that nobody's going to listen to a podcast that ends up oh, being that- I am not the only one. You can't put this all off on me. Like I am a big jerk and I am mean and I bully you because of your very slow Southern speech patterns. <laughs> I wish that's all I had to deal with, but <laughs> anyway, but no, this, this first one, it's, it's all these topics you're very passionate about when it comes to marketing and leasing in this industry, you just are. But this first one is marketing research and which if anybody listened to the <laughs> first episode on this podcast, everybody knows that this is something that you're, that you're passionate about. And not that the first podcast was enough. You had to go out and find <laughs> somebody else that felt the same way that you did. <laughs> to discuss this subject in greater length. Yes, it just wasn't enough. I was thinking about that today after, uh, you know, I had to re-listen to it so that we could do this. And I was like, you know, uh, I really, really like I, we had this conversation and I, dang it. <laughs> So, you know, I had this, we had this topic of marketing research. Now the title, uh, go announce the title for everybody again. So it is Market Data, the Kingdom of the Crystal Ball. Nice play on Indiana Jones. I know. 
Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So it's, you know, it's, it's really just me delving even further into how important I feel data and analysis of any given market really is and all of the benefits that come from it. And of which I, you know, I list them all out. There are many. I'm not going to go into all of it because obviously I have run my mouth enormously on this subject so much so that you are now <laughs> given rights to make fun of me about it because we now have to, you know, break this up into three parts. But yes, I feel very, very passionately about the science behind the marketing. So, yes. Well, and, you know, a little bit about your your guest co-host on this is... Um, my Maggie! Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so she does a great job of explaining, you know, what she's done and, you know, how she echoes a lot of the same thoughts that you have on this subject. Anything else you want to say about Maggie? She is. She's incredible. She is whip smart. And honestly, she's one of those people that I'm just grateful to have in my life. You know, I talked to her after I re-listened to it today and I was like, you know, I think it turned out really well. I'm, you know, the only thing I'm sad about is, you know, since we did have the sound issue or sound quality issues, that it sounds like, you know, we're cutting each other off in kind of a rude way. And so she said, you know, that was the same thing she was worried about. But so no, you know, we really like each other a lot. Um, we're not rude to each other, but she really is. She's incredible. And I was so grateful that, you know, she took the time to sit down with me and it was, you know, a good four hours on a Saturday and we are both so cool. We had nothing better to do except hang out and talk about market research. Cause that's what cool kids do. It's, I, I got a feeling that there had to been a bottle of wine on each side of the <laughs> of the phone for this conversation as well. Am I, am I right or I, am I wrong? Definitely, absolutely wrong. <laughs> no, uh, I'm so sorry to break it to you. Definitely not. Uh, there was no alcohol involved, but uh, I could see why you would think that because we at did. least on your side, right? No, there's there wasn't any wine on my side either. I swear, it was really just. You know, I get I get fired up about this subject, man. It's really important. To well, me. It, it, it yeah, exactly, and it's it, it is one of those things. If if you didn't bring a bottle of wine to this um, podcast, you'll probably want one. After oh my! Could you not make yeah. it sound like it's stressful? <laughs> no, it's it's not that it's stressful. But yeah, you know, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of things are are slowing down simply because of the rise of rise of construction, which we'll talk about on another episode. But yeah, I look at a lot of deals that are being done, new development that's, that's being done. And I just look back and I'm like, what the hell are you thinking? Like, is this, are, are you just trying to get development fees out of this? And mm. I, you know, I just, I don't, I just don't get it. And, um, you know, and, and then I listen to, to you and Maggie speak and it's like, yeah, for so long within this, within this industry, you could come in and, and, you know, put your finger in the air and <laughs> figure out which way the wind was blowing, find a piece of land, you know, was, was enrollment going up or is enrollment going down is, you know, okay. They're not able to house all their, all the residents on campus. Let's build some student housing and, it can't be done like that yeah. anymore. It, it shouldn't have been done like that 10 years ago. And now I'm just getting upset about <laughs> it. But it, it is one of those things that I'm kind of glad we split it over um, three episodes for a multitude of reasons. But just to go ahead and, and kind of warn everybody that there are going to be times that you listen to this. And if you are a developer who has done one of those stupid deals or 
you know, if you're a property manager who is managing, you know, one of those stupid deals where things were overbuilt, it's a great opportunity for you to, <laughs> to listen and, and reflect and say, okay, this is, this is where we're at. And, you know, let's make sure not to make this mistake again. And, you know, I, I, anyway, that's all I've got to say. About all right. It. Also, it's very friendly and fun uh, and there's a lot of laughter. So there's that. That's probably why you thought we were drinking. So <laughs> it isn't it isn't hard. No, to listen yeah, to, I mean, I'll so just, that's good. I'll just I'll just reiterate every additional dollar spent in quality market research is, you know, two dollars that you're not going to have to spend or three dollars that you're not going to have to spend in marketing campaigns um and and i think you you know you you end up with a better product you end up with something that obviously doesn't take a lot of marketing and it's something that is a lot more symbiotic with you know the rest of that campus and what's around it so so let, let's go ahead and hit play because regardless of, of how irritated I may get <laughs> at some of the sins of the past, it's so refreshing to hear you and Maggie talk about this and see that, you know, there there is a better way of doing it. Thanks, man. All right, let's hit play. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Student Housing Insight. I am Greta Dare. I am joined with my very good friend, Maggie Owens, and we are going to skip all of the pleasantries and jump right over to Maggie and have her tell all of you guys why it is I have her today because of her extensive background or what I consider to be her extensive background in all things student housing and research. Go into it, Maggie. Thanks so much, Greta. I'm so happy to be here. When Greta sent me that message and she said, hey, would you be interested in joining this podcast? I was like, of course, without a doubt. You know I'm passionate about this. (laughs) Um, So I have worked in student housing with firms both big and small, um, both on the developer side and then like the large owner operator and third party uh, management side. And I have learned so much working from all these companies. And but one thing that has always been so important to me and my decision making when looking at different assets throughout the country is the data. And one thing that Greta and I have shared is the need for science and data to um, control or direct the decisions that you make. And so that's what we're going to get into today. And I'm currently in Fayetteville, Arkansas, working for a different developer. I met Greta originally in Fayetteville years ago, and now I'm back in this market as a project manager for a development company that's regionally focused and focused primarily on market rate housing, um, even though my entire um, career has been in student. So let's get into this. So here's what I I love what that you just said. Uh, and everybody, anybody, if this is not your first podcast, if you listen to, you know, even just a handful of them, you've heard me say probably to an exceedingly annoying amount, which if it was annoying, I don't know why you're listening right now. However, <laughs> you have heard me preach on and on about how important data is to me personally, because just like you said, Maggie, that was perfect. It is, it is what drives every single move that I make. If you want me to make a decision, if you want me to bring an advertiser in, if you, you know, if you're talking to me about something 
mean, I need the data to back it up. I need to understand everything behind it. And I feel very strongly about it. It's one of the things I love and adore about you is that we see eye to eye about that. And then there's everything. And that is my obsession. And it is the science behind marketing because there is a science behind marketing. It isn't just creativity. It isn't just copy and beautiful designs. It isn't just events. It is there. There should be something directing all of those decisions beyond gut instinct or what you're hearing from your teams, not to discount the validity of and the huge value of that information. But there is so much information that can be mined from every single market. And I think it should be found. I think it should be used. I think it should shape your decisions and direct them. So, um, you know, first, the very first thing that we're going to go into is what data you should be collecting and you should be studying and why. And so that's going to be our first subject. You know, one of the things that Wes puts in my bio every single time he writes it uh, and, you know, and so it's it's always really funny to me, but I get it, is that the understanding of market is my superpower. Again, his words, not mine, but I do appreciate it. And it is just because of the, the data that I am obsessed with. And so what we're going to be talking about here are the things that I study in any market and and, you know, Maggie knows what those things are. Maggie studies the same things. Again, probably why, you know, we love each other the way that we do. And so we're going to go through that list. And so if they are things that you aren't currently looking into and you agree with the value in them, then I absolutely encourage you to look into them in any market that you're looking to develop, take over, purchase, whatever the case may be, new branding. These are the items to look at. So with that being said, I'm going to start us off. Maggie, I know that there's ones that you're specific about. I can say that the very first thing when I am, you know, when I start with a new company or when the company that I'm with is looking to develop or I'm doing an actual market analysis to make recommendations from design all the way to the marketing plan, it is going to include the very first thing which everybody looks at, which is obviously the number of comps and beds in the market along with enrollment. But I do feel like the study stops there. Do you feel, do you agree with that, Mags? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, okay, great. We know how many beds are in the market. We know what enrollment is. So we think that we can put X number of beds in the market, but it goes so much deeper than that. And, you know, like we've said previously in conversation, it's so much of understanding the market, understanding the data happens in the early development stages. But what you see often, whether you're a third party manager getting a deal from a different developer um, or you work in a marketing department at one of the larger companies, um, you get that information of like the location and everything. It's after the fact that the decisions have already been made. So what we've talked about, about is like using this data, not only to inform how you market, but to what markets you want to go into. That's absolutely. And that's, it's, it's funny because I, I think that was one of the very first things that frustrated me is that in previous, previous positions, I would be told, Hey, Greta, we're going to be going into this in this market. Here's the information we collected so far. This is, and all of that information, the market analysis that I was provided with at the beginning really included the number of beds, number of comps and enrollment numbers for the past three years leading up to it. We've seen a growth. There's a need. And I think that that's my biggest frustration because then I would, receive it at that point. It's like, oh, we're going to go build in Tuscaloosa or Tallahassee or, you know, one of the T's that are friggin' nightmare markets. But beyond that, it's we've already started to draw plans. We're getting approval from the city. We figured out the land. We're already starting to write that and, you know, the performa and decide on market rents. And now we need you to go and do the full market analysis and tell us, you know, where we're going to go from here. And it's exactly what you just said, where that should 
everything that I'm going to be doing should be done from the very first time that you're looking at a market as a possibility before you pick out land, before you start walking, talking to the city, because it isn't as simple as I'm going to go build a 600 bed property and it's all going to have, you know, it's going to have a, a mix of four bedrooms to one bedrooms. This is what it's going to look like. And we're going to have all of these basic amenities and then we're going to have a huge marketing plan. It's going to be great. It's going to lease up because let's all be honest right now. That we're is gonna not, spend a ton of money. <laughs> we're gonna spend a ton of money, money on marketing, but not only work. that, yes. But here's the problem is that there's so many people and this especially happens with new developers where it's, you know, they go in and they do it because that's what it looks like everybody's doing, but then they didn't budget enough for the hundreds of thousands of dollars in marketing that you're spending in that first year lease up. And in my opinion, and this is the next subject that we're gonna cover after we go through all of these different data points is you don't need to spend that money if you do all of the research in the in advance. And that is before you pick the land, before you decide on what kind of product it is that you're gonna build, understand the student market. And this goes into any product that you are actually going to be creating. And this is what you and I talked about and agreed upon is that in student housing, this seems to be the only industry that says, I'm gonna make this product and then I'm going to spend a ton of marketing to shotgun it out there and just hope that a lot of students, you know, enough students stick where I can have a 30% closing ratio and I can fill up to 100%. And that is not what happens. It's not how Pepsi does it. It's not like they're just out there showing somebody drinking a Pepsi and then shooting it across all demographics. They know their market. They know that it's, you know, it's the younger generation for some, somehow it has been for the last like 20 years. It just consistently, you know, they're going after a younger audience, but they're bringing in, you know, they bring in the, the pop stars that are any stars that are applicable to that brand and they developed the brand they knew the niche for their brand they understand the demographics behind their brand and then they market to that brand they built that product and market to it and we aren't doing that in student housing we aren't going into the market and we aren't actually looking at all of the in-depth information that we can that's actually available to us so it does go beyond number of comps number of beds enrollment numbers that's not enough or you know along with obviously existing or market rents. The other additional items that truly matter that will impact you are going to be the number of housing scholarships, the financial aid, number of people that are on financial aid. What kind of demographics is it? How many kids are in Greek? What are the what are the total? What size of school is this? How do these? What are the lifestyles of each of these students? What do they do with their spare time? Are they more studious? Is it a research school? Is it a sports school? Is it a party school? Is it you know? Is this what kind of place? do these kids come from? What is their hometown? And what do those hometowns look like? How much money do their parents make? All of this is going to dictate what type of students are actually there, how much money they have. So how much money they have to spend on your property, what their lifestyle consists of, so what your amenities should look like. And then all of that gets wrapped into what does your marketing plan look like and how do you actually reach those students? As opposed to just building a basic product that you now say, okay, now go out into the market and try to capture all of the students. We're going to market to the athletics. We're going to market to the Greeps. We're going to market to the, all of the student orgs. We're going to market to literally everyone because we created a basic blanket product without actually looking to see where is the available niche in this market that we can go after. I'm going to pause for a minute so that you can say words because I talk really fastly and passionately. So any additions that you have to everything that I just said? Yeah, I feel bad for everybody that has to try to keep up with this conversation. Um, I know. So Wes always tells me to slow down. It's so bad. <laughs> Yeah, so we had talked before this call, obviously, and about these items. And 
when it comes to really understanding like what Greta's saying, how much financial aid is out there and how does that financial aid affect where they spend it, especially when it comes to housing scholarships. I've worked on a few deals and one of them in particular, they wouldn't allow like 40% of the students roughly lived on campus. And those housing scholarships were not allowed to be used at off-campus housing. Everything about the market looked great. I'm so glad Location you brought this up. Was great. I mean, and so so often you're not going to know that stuff until you really dive in. I mean, I was emailing like the deans of the honors program and all these different departments because I needed to understand. Holy crap! Like, what is going to happen if I go into this market and they can't use their scholarship money here? And for, I mean, fortunately for me in that company that I was with, we did a ton of market or market research and like sending teams into markets prior to actually going there. So they were a company that really understood my perspective and they shared that with, they shared the same perspective on how they needed to um, approach new markets. And so I would go out to the market with a huge team of people. We would be doing focus groups and really understanding, okay, how are these people paying for their housing right now? Where do they live? And what, like, floor plans or, like, how many people are they living with? How many roommates are they comfortable with? What amenities do they want? Um, all that stuff that makes your product better, and it's going to help you so much in the long run when it comes to what you're spending your money on. And, it fills a need um, in the market. Yeah, absolutely. It's filling that need. And, like, we, we're talking a lot about, like, that niche group and your understanding and you get to carve out what your niche is going to be when you go there and you figure out what the issues are in the market and where, where the need is versus just saying, Hey, this is what products that we deliver typically across the board, um, which there, that's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but what we're seeing more and more in the industry is that it's so hard to achieve your occupancy year over year. And so you got to differentiate yourself. And especially when you're going into new markets, where previously, like five, even 10 years ago, I would say is like extreme, but five years ago or three years ago, you know, you would be the only one going into the market with vinyl plank flooring and hard surface countertops. And Which really has nice become completely cabinet. standard at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and at this point, it's like, oh, shoot, everyone's doing that. And so how are you going to make yourself different? Is that through your unit mix? Is it through your amenities? Or is it through the other kind of offerings that you can provide that no one else in the market is going to provide? And you won't know necessarily what that need is unless you're collecting the data. And I have always been a huge follower of brands. Like since I was a really young girl, I remember like cutting out magazine clippings and then like placing everything together and was like, oh my gosh, I'm just obsessed about certain brands. And one of those that I can speak about is LaCroix. I remember obsessing about this <laughs> years and years ago. I mean, it's honestly tastes terrible. I For all of those it. who wondered if Maggie was basic or not basic, the question is now answered. <laughs> Continue on. <laughs> okay. Well, I actually don't purchase the product and I don't drink it, but I'm all about the <laughs> And I'm all about the brands that they have. And I mean, it's not a new okay, product. Totally valid Absolutely. And the, what they have done, especially in the last three years, is really yes. transform and targeted millennials in a different way. And it's through brand experiences, it's through social media. And, and they're being copied. Have you seen that? I think it's Coke. I can't remember if it's Coke or Pepsi. Somebody listening right now knows if it's Coke or Pepsi, but they're getting <laughs> the whole concept as being like fully ripped off because that's how good it is. Just sparkly, bubbly water that doesn't actually taste that great, but it's in pretty cans that Instagram well, Pepsi. <laughs> as I sit here and I look at my laptop, I have a LaCroix sticker. 
and <laughs> above my desk in my office, I had like a strip thing from a LaCroix photo booth thing that I went to. And I mean, LaCroix does it so well. And obviously like a consumer packaged good is totally different than student housing and like a long-term asset. And it's obviously at a different price point, but there's so many marketing principles that can be applied. And one Absolutely. thing that I would say, is that you have these big brands and in no other industry do you have someone like saying, oh, here's a $25 million plus asset. And I know that you don't have a ton of marketing experience and you're kind of new and fresh to this, but I'd really like you to go out and market this. <laughs> and here I mean, is, here's $30,000 worth of promo, go hand it all out. And we're just, there's, yeah. we have no idea what our ROI is. Just, just go get the word out. Thanks. And that's my biggest thing is that I have to be able to track my ROI. I need to know why we're making these decisions and I need to know why I'm going into a market. And if I go into a market and I realize that the data shows me that all these people are from X, Y, and Z hometown, then I'm going to target that town in my advertisement because I want to get those guarantors super excited about my project. Um, And initially I want to know, you know, like, the average household income in those hometowns and yes. what's the average household income of the student coming to this university because so much of that is going to drive how much money I'm able to, how much I can push the rent, especially year over year. Yeah. So in Fayetteville, for example, it's in Arkansas, it's in Northwest Arkansas, but so many of the students are from Dallas and there's so much wealth of knowledge that you're able to gain from really understanding what does that mean that they're from Dallas? And how does that affect when we market and what high schools are these people coming from? And all that information is readily available from universities that are public, private. It's, it's a lot harder, but if you do some digging and some relationship building, a lot of times you can find that out. And that's the stuff that you need to help inform your decisions on where you're developing and what your performers are going to be. Because if you go into certain markets and I've seen this firsthand, you go into a market with this pro forma and it is so far off from what you actually needed. And not only does that create a problem for the developer, the management company, and your investment groups, I mean, it's not good for anybody. And all that takes is research on the front end to be able to avoid so much of that. All right, well, that, that wraps up part one of three. We've got part two or three coming up. <laughs> I think I think all these will end up being released at the same time, if not probably a day or so apart from each other. But uh, yeah, go on to go on to part two of three, where we get the rest of the conversation. Greta kind of recaps some things that were discussed on this one, and then we get into other data points. So, anything yeah. else? No, I just, you know, I did want to say that I tried to, I tried to make it to where, you know, after we finished a subject somewhat well, you know, that I recapped things in a way that in the event, this is not me assuming, in the event you are a person who are, who was potentially keeping track or maybe writing something down, uh, that it, that made it easier. So, you know, so those recaps are in there and that was kind of the purpose of it. But as a reminder, I do want to remind everybody as well as thank AIM Cruise Incentives for sponsoring my entire series this summer. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with AIM Cruise Incentives, definitely go check them out at AIM, that's A-I-M, as in Mary cruise.com yeah they've been a wonderful sponsor and just just a great product overall so looking forward to some of the things they're doing make sure you listen to the last episode on how oh, yes 
yeah, on how you, the listener, can actually win a cruise for two. Yay! All right, guys, we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye.